And, um, but that's okay. Hallelujah. You can go on a diet tomorrow. Glad that, um, that you chose to be here. Everybody, so last week, as Emily was saying, I started uh, what's going to be the three uh, messages in a row talking about uh, the grace of giving. And we've called this, as you see behind me, the legacy living grace of giving. Because, and, and last, last week I talked about the grace of giving. And, and really what I was talking about is how that there is something that comes upon the people of God that causes them to be generous. I'm talking to the point of a sacrificial giving. And we've just seen this over and over in this congregation on us as a, uh, as a church body together. And, uh, and le the legacy offering, just so if you were not here that you'll understand, is once a year a collection that comes from our church body where this money does not um, come into general budget. We are really, uh, we do really uh, a good job of stewarding the finances that come in through your tithes and offerings. And so we don't, we're, we're just not willy-nilly about how we spend or where the money goes. We live according to a budget. We don't overspend. And we build our church budget. By the way, if you're visiting with us, we're talking a lot of, uh, we're talking to the church family today about a lot of things that are important within our church body. This is, this is like this season of the year where I start talking about next year and what we've accomplished in the past year. And I want us all to be on the same page. You know, our books are always open. But what I want you to understand is that, is that we do a, well, it's really important for us to do a good job of making sure that we account for every penny that comes in and it's spent in a, in a wise way. But there's always so much that we want to do beyond what we budget off of, which is we budget according to last year's totals. We anticipate that for the upcoming year, and then we review it every quarter. I know this is not a big board meeting. I'm just trying to help you understand something here. And what the legacy offering does is that it gives us the ability to do the extra. It gives us the ability to flow all of the finances that's beyond your routine giving right into our ministry lanes, into world missions, into local missions, into the next generation, into our church family expansion. And uh, so we're talking about you know, typically this, um, this amount of money has been a full one extra one month's giving, and we were able to use it for the kingdom of God. And, and the reason why we call this legacy is because I really believe that this is, there are things that we accomplish that last for eternity with the funds that you are giving. And I believe that there is a grace upon our lives to give in this way, and I believe that there's a supernatural gift upon that comes from God that enables you to dream a little bit. Everybody needs more money. If you don't need more money, I'm glad you're at church. Would you start giving a little bit more? <laughs> but we all could use more money. Amen? But you know what? At the same time, we all have something that we can tr contribute. And what I love about this congregation is I've never really encouraged you know, us to build a budget on our top 10 givers and how much they give. 
where, where other people, you, listen, every offering that you give to the Lord, it matters. And God multiplies what we sacrificially do with one, when we're joined in unity with one another. There's a dynamic about that that is just so fascinating. And so I talked about the grace of giving a lot last week. And I hope you'll go back and listen to it if you missed it. Um, and today I want to talk about legacy living. This is the way that you approach life. And it's within this in mind that we're going to receive our offering next week. Legacy, what we're talking about is what lasts forever. What is remembered by God and lasts eternity. At John 15, 16, one of our favorite passages around here. In fact, we spent a lot of time last year talking about this passage. Jesus said to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Everybody say that with me, fruit that will last. And if you remember, I, I, I did a series talking about lasting fruit. And what is lasting fruit? It's what lasts for eternity. This is what we're talking about when we talk about legacy, lasting fruit. And, and the only thing that lasts for eternity is people. And so lasting fruit is what we do to help people experience the power of God and prepares them for eternity. If you remember Hebrews 6, we said, verse 10, that God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. And this is why each year, this type of in this season I realize there's a lot of drain on our finances but if we can be generous with everybody else we can certainly be generous with the kingdom of God and put him first and his people first you were born with a purpose an eternal purpose I said last week I'll say it again I don't think we really are awakened to our eternal purpose fully until we get really born again because when you are really born again all of a sudden you have faith to believe that there's something more than just this life. There's something bigger than what I'm accomplishing in this life. And so there's a great awareness of eternity. Ecclesiastes says he's made everything beautiful in its season, and he has put eternity in the human heart. And so we're talking about lasting fruit. And, and I believe that I believe that it's important for us to approach life by not just thinking about the routine of life and making it through this week, this month, this year, this season. What about eternity? What about a legacy? And I'm going to give you five marks of legacy living. That's a life that's focused on eternity. Okay, and so I just want to share a few of these with you. Number one is that the first thing I believe for people who live for a legacy or for eternity is that they have a desire to make a difference. And, uh, and, and, and I think this is so important, a desire to make a difference. When we were talking about the church that Corinth was receiving for the saints at Jerusalem, which was a yearly thing. If you remember in 2 Corinthians 8, Paul told them 
Last year, you were the first not only to give, but to have a desire to do so. And then what had happened is that they had not fulfilled or completed their desire in the offering. But he says, so he's challenging them. Come on, let's finish what you started. I love this. He said, uh, you are the first not only to start giving, but you also had the desire. I just want to pause right there because I do believe that there are things that we do that are beyond our desire. It's expected of us. There's no passion about it. It's just the routine of life. And can I just tell you that the joy that you have with the Lord, routine is the enemy of that. I'm th I'm, I love routine. I'm a person of routine. But I think sometimes we can just go through the motions and lose our passion for what it is that we're doing. And so it's important for us to connect what we do with desire and does not the desire for what we do. And that's why he says, now finish the work so that your willingness will match the completion of it. I, I did a little dive into the original language on the word desire because it's a Greek word that's def de defined um, in many different places as aspire, desire, willing to. And sometimes it's, it helps us to get under the surface and take a look at the original Greek language that, was, that, the, that the writer you know, wrote it in. And this word desire is very interesting. It's just a simple word, orego. And it means to stretch oneself out in order to touch or grasp something. The emphasis is, uh, is on stretch. Everybody's go, do this with me, everybody. Come on, just, just go stretch. I don't, don't hurt anybody, but just do it again. Just stretch. It, it is the, it's reaching for something that you can't reach unless you stretch for it. Now, this is really important because legacy living people, they don't just reach what's easily at their fingertips. They understand we're going to have to stretch for something. It's something that's out of the unusable, a, a grasping for something. It, it, it means more than an urge or acting on an urge. You say, well, I have a desire uh, for... Well, I have a desire for pecan pie. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> and sometimes you have to really stretch to get it or stretch. You... <laughs> How many of you took off your jeans and put on some warm-ups or some elastic pants on Thursday? How many of you did? How many of Okay, I know you guys don't want to be honest, but you had to, you, something was stretching, right, everybody? But it includes the idea of reaching or seeking or stretching. I have found that the measure of a person's desire to accomplish something great, something eternal, can be measured by how much they're willing to stretch for it. That's the desire. Is it a choice or is it a craving? Is it a decision or is it an urge? Well, it's both, everybody. Because I believe that God gives us desires, but we have to stretch our, ourselves in faith to accomplish what he puts desire, the desire he puts inside of us. And I, I'll say it this way. A God-given desire to make a difference usually begins with what I'm calling a spirit-stirred compassion. 
I'm talking about desire. Legacy living people have a desire to make a difference. Jude chapter 1 verse 22. I love how it says in the King James. And if some have compassion. Making a difference. The compassion results in making a difference. I'm talking about in this church, I see compassionate people. Like for the homeless, we're receiving, we're, we're receiving offerings to help just this next Friday and Saturday. Compassion for a teenager with an unexpected pregnancy. A compassion for single moms who are struggling to pay the bills or need some help around the house. A compassion, like we know around here, for a soldier's child that's lost a dad or a parent on the battlefield. A compassion for unreached people in West Africa or in January in India that have never heard the gospel. A compassion for people maybe across the street who have never had a real encounter with the risen Jesus. See, I believe that God, he drops desires inside of us and stirs us and many people in many different ways to make a difference for those. And it begins with compassion. But compassion has to be, it, it has to be received, but I'm just going to do something great. To leave a legacy for the kingdom of God, you're going to have to stretch. You know, I was reminded just this past year whenever... Uh, we're partnering with a camp called Camp Agape. It's down in Texas. And this is, I talked to the, the director of the founder and director of this camp, which is very interesting. She is a businesswoman who for some reason just had a compassion upon little children, young children who had lost a, a, a father or a mother or a brother or a sister, someone close to them, and we're in the midst of processing it, like within the next last year. Some of them, maybe three months. And she started a camp called Camp Agape. And what they do is they bring in these children with counselors. Everyone has a sponsor. And then all week long, they deal with the grief that has the potential just to destroy them. I was supposed to be the main speaker and for some crazy reason, you guys remember, I had a kidney stone, which is too much information for y'all to deal with, right? But they were just going to, well, we, we, we can just forget about it. And I'm like, no, I, I've got the perfect person to stand in my place. And we flew Landon down. Y'all remember that in July? And Landon went down and spoke to this camp. And he lost his mom when, she, when he was 12 years old to cancer. And I just tell you, I, I think, I really honestly think, I don't think God gave me a kidney stone, but I think God was in that whole thing because he had so much to say to them, and I'm still getting reports about that because the compassion of others may have gone through what I'm going through, the desire to make a difference for people, it almost always, been, it almost always begins with compassion. I wonder how many of you, are sensing a desire, a compassion for people in a particular area. This oftentimes is stirred by the Spirit of God. A desire to make a difference really is you're going to have to stretch your faith some. Here's number two, everybody. 
Because a desire to make a difference leads us to the next level of legacy living, and that is, number two, a dream to accomplish. A desire, compassion, almost always leads into a dream. In fact, I want you to think of a dream for you as a God-given vision to accomplish something that will last for eternity. And many of you have dreams here. You know, when I think of people in ministry that have a, uh, they have credibility to talk about dreams, I always think about a great man of God named Tommy Barnett. He's a minister in Arizona, West Coast, Assembly of God guy. He, he started Dream Centers. And Dream Centers are these, uh, are, are these houses where they would bring uh, uh, people off. They're rescuing people, oftentimes girls from sex traffickers, and all kinds of people that are bound with drugs and, and addictions and all that stuff. And he started this Dream Center. He just had a dream that the people of God would be available in L.A. and other places and people would come and stay in this dream center. And he had to dream of this. And this is why he called it the dream center. And it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. You should look it up sometime. But he said something similar to this. This isn't a, a, a specific quote. But he said this, that a compelling dream will lift you out of yourself into another self that is greater than your present self. I just thought this was so profound. I'm going to read it to you again. Because when God gives you a dream, it will lift you out of yourself. And it will, it will bring you into another self. And that self is greater than your present self. I have learned after pastoring all this congregation for so many years, I have learned that the happiest people in our congregation are the people who are ministering to other people who dream about helping others. And those who have no capacity or no dream or no desire, they kind of struggle with joy. This is a, what I have learned, everybody, is that, is that there is greatness in these chairs that are sitting out in front of me. I found that there is so much greatness inside of the people of God, and it's a real joy for me to just kind of be a lid lifter, to lift the lid off of you and encourage you to accomplish something great for yourself. All ministry doesn't need to flow through me or Carrie or our family or our hired staff. In fact, we just want to facilitate the vision, the work of ministry, the dream, the desire that God has given you. And we want to encourage you to stretch your faith to believe that you can do something great that lasts for eternity. And that's my encouragement to you, is to be a legacy living person who believes that God has given you a vision or a dream. There's gold as one old-timey preacher said, there's gold in them their pews. And it's the pastor's job. We don't have pews anymore. But in these interlocking chairs, there's gold in them. <laughs> in this multi-purpose building, there's gold in there. And it's my job to dig for it. And so some of you, I get on your nerves because I'm always asking you, what are you doing? How are you serving? What are you giving? What are you accomplishing? 
Because one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to, and God's going to reward you for every great thing that you've done from God, for God. And you're not going to be fussy with God then. In fact, you're going to be aggravated with me then, but the aggravation is going to be, why didn't you challenge me to do more? To give another dollar, to invest another offering, to serve another family, to give to missions. One day when you stand before God and you'll give account for what you have done, it's going to be a glorious day. Everybody, there is greatness down inside of you, and I want you to reach for it. Dig for it. Ephesians chapter 3, one of my favorite verses. Oh, I love studying through the book of Ephesians. We just did that. It's chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably or abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever amen I just find this so delightful that God is saying there is a there is a power that's at work down deep inside of you there's gold inside of you and, and you can accomplish more than you could ever even dream about because he wants to empower you to accomplish the dreams that God has given you. And, and this generation, everybody listen to me, this generation of Christian lifers, my challenge for you is to think about legacy and what you can accomplish for the kingdom of God. Amen? So let's talk about it for a minute. How do, you, how do you tell if the dream is really from God or if you're just dreaming up something? Well, I, I said a minute ago, there's going to be this desire. This is one thing I found about a dream that comes from God. It's like it does, just doesn't go away. You can't shake it. It just kind of stays. Through the years, through your disappointments, through your challenges, the dream just doesn't go away and it's almost always bigger than you will accomplish remember we just read that he'll accomplish something that's beyond your your power because there's a power that works inside of you but dreams can dreams for ministry or for eternity they can be really elusive and and I, I say that because I see that there's so many ways that we can lose a dream if you've if you've ever held on tightly to something you know that it's something that you want to accomplish. You know that there are challenges to, to seeing that. It's like the Apostle Paul said, you had the desire, but you not completed what God put in your heart. Now, I want, I want you to complete what God started inside of you. It's, it's, hard, uh, it's hard to uh, keep a dream alive. In fact, I, I read recently that if you have a dream to do something great for God, and you keep it for five years, then you will accomplish it. I don't know how the statistics, you know, come together, but I do know that it's true that people that keep a burning dream to accomplish something inside of them and they don't let it go, year after year after year, at some point, the thing comes to pass. And I, I, I think that our challenge is to deal with distractions because God gives us desires to accomplish things, but, you know, life is full of distractions. There's all kinds of other desires that come up and just consume you, and they distract. Here's the other thing, everybody. 
dreams suffer because because dreams are filled with detractors. People who don't believe in it. Uh, People who want uh, to discourage you in it. I never want to be one of those people. Not everybody is going to be on board with your dreams. And not everybody is going to support it. And then, and then also you have to deal with delays. I believe that this is probably the biggest dream killer of all. It's like, well, I had this desire. I knew it was from God. I talked to Pastor Ron. He prayed with me. And we, we, you know, we raised the funds, but it just didn't happen. And, and so you're going to deal with distractions, detractors, and delays. Don't let your dream die. Legacy living requires that you keep the dream alive, the dream that God has given you. And it's never too late to dream again. There's a bunch of gray-haired people in here. Can I talk to us? Because I think young people are such dreamers and old people are like, well, yeah, that didn't happen. Where am I going from here? I think sometimes we just hang on until, until we die. This is not really the way God wants you to live. In fact, when Mark Harrell was here, one of the presbyters of the church, he met with our staff and he showed us an interesting study that was recently published in the New England Journal of Medicine. And here's, this is what they found, is that the most productive age in the human life is between 60 and 70 years of age. All the gray-haired people, I'm, I'm getting ready to ring your bell. I hope you're listening right now. Because I want you to see this, that the most productive age in the human life is between 60 and 70. When you're wanting to retire, God's like, I got some great things for you to do. In fact, maybe some of the retirement years that you're going through is God's way of just opening up so you can dig for gold a little bit and start accomplishing the great things that God has put in your heart. The second most productive stage of, human, of, of the human being is from the age of 70 to 80 years old. Somebody say, whoa. The third most productive stage is between 50 and 60. Some of you are right in your sweet spot. And I, now, now is the time, if ever, to start living for a legacy. Now. Come on, old people. I like to call you God's seasoned saints. You got salt and pepper that's sprinkled all over you. Glory to God. Some of you keep trying to cover it up. But you are God's seasoned saints, and these are the most productive years. Look, everybody, the average age of Nobel Prize winners is 62 years old. The average age of the presidents of the most prominent companies in the world is 63 years old. The average age of the pastors of of the 100 largest churches in the USA is 71. I haven't even reached my goal yet. (laughs) Come on, everybody. Hey, you guys are trying to put me out to pasture, and I'm just getting started. It's time to dream a little bit. Dreaming is not just for 25-year-olds or 35 or 45-year-olds. Dreaming is good for 75-year-olds. We want to accomplish something great 
for the kingdom of God. So if you're 60, you're about to reach your top potential. If you're 70, it's not over for you yet. The best is still waiting for you. Dream a little. Here's number three, a desire, a dream. And I think legacy living, you need a joy for the journey. Joy for the journey. I, I love Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think lost hope is just really one of the things that the devil uses to destroy people's life so much. And with lost hope, there's a, there's a loss of joy. I think life is about a journey. And we're so focused on reaching our destination. I mean, this is the traveling time of the year, right, everybody? If people are on road trips or they're flying through airports, which right now you probably ought to just drive because it's crazy in the airports, right, everybody? But there are lots of travelers during this time of year. And, and many of us, our destination is so important that we can't enjoy the ride. We can hardly enjoy the trip. You know, it's like, it's like, I don't know, when we go to Baton Rouge or wherever we're going, me and Carrie are always comparing and competing about our, from our last trip. But we made good time. We're making better time than we ever have. Any of y'all psycho like that, you know? It's like, let, let's get there. And, uh, but I like, to, I like to sightsee while I'm driving. It's not a really good combination because Carrie likes to sleep when I'm driving. And so she wants to sleep, so when she wakes up, we will be there. I want to take in all the sights. I'm looking for a deer, the new farm. I'm looking for whatever. And so every now and then, she'll wake up and say, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. But every now and then, she'll start snoring, and I'll just hit the rumble strips on purpose, you know? And she's like, why, 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 why? I just think it's funny. I, want, I like the scenery. I like to have meaningful conversations. I like to have companionship. She's thinking right now, you got the wrong co-pilot. <laughs> so I, 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 listen, legacy living is meant to be fun. There is joy for the journey. And I, I just, I don't, I don't understand why people are so grumpy Christians that love the Lord and love what they're doing and or love to be generous and, and, and love the, their, their future in God, but they're just always grumpy, grumpy old people. This is my day to preach out to older people. You just need a sense of humor, everybody. Could you say amen? amen. The ability to laugh at yourself is so important. In a world where people are angry and disappointed and feel like they never measure up, we make ourselves miserable because we have so many expectations. Can I just tell you this? If you're always angry with yourself or disappointed in yourself, you will never be able to bounce back from your mistakes. And if you're going to be a person that lives for a legacy or leaves a legacy, you have got to be willing to bounce back from your mistakes your failures, and your disappointments. You know, like you, I've made a bunch in my life. You know what? But we cannot let our mistakes destroy the hope that is, that is inside of us 
that is overflowing to others that brings them into joy. Joy for the journey. And can I say something really challenging to you, everybody? In the kingdom of God, I'm going to say this. I want you to hear it, that nobody in the kingdom of God has a right to live in self-pity when there is so much hurt in the world. I wish you'd just let that set in. Because I know there are a lot of things that disappoint you about, that has happened to you, things that disappoint you about you, things that you've disappointed in yourself. But how long are you going to let that thing dominate you? How about digging the gold out of the experience and using the wealth of that experience to make a difference in somebody's life? That's what legacy living people do. This is the joy that overflows in our life. So there's so many people are hurting and they don't have any hope. And I just believe that we should be the happiest people on the planet. Because we know that we can be forgiven. We know that God is a God of fresh starts. Come on, everybody. And we know that we're never going to grow so old that we can't be used by God. These are the most productive times of our life. And I am challenging you to step up to what God's called you to, to accomplish for the kingdom. Dream. Desire. Joy. And here's number four. Is everybody tracking with me a little bit? I'm just talking about legacy living, living for eternity. And here's number four. I believe that God wants us to have an ever-expanding circle of love. Now, let me explain what I mean to this because I find it really disappointing when I see how small our circles of love have become, that people are a threat to us. People make us uncomfortable. And we have this little tight circle with just a few people that we interact with, a few people that we enjoy. And listen, lasting fruit is all about people. And if your circle is so tight that the only people that come into your world are the people who think like you, believe like you, act like you, you know, they have the same principles of you, then you're, you're going to miss an opportunity to minister to them. In fact, I think church people are notorious for having really small circles of love. I believe that the Lord has really put on my heart that this next year and the next few years that is coming, that we need to, we need to expand our circles so that people can come in and be reached. I'm just saying that there are people that have fallen into really bad experiences that maybe don't, that don't match what we believe here, and they, can't, they, they feel like I'm outside the circle now, and I won't be loved. I've watched people go through divorces, and it's the horror of divorce. It's terrible. I've watched it through the years. And almost always when people in our congregation go through a divorce, the circle of love gets stressed. It's like who belongs, who doesn't belong. And then oftentimes they leave and start a whole new beginning because they don't know, are they going to be welcome? It's, it's the teenage girl that, that gets pregnant out of wedlock. And it's, it's visible, well, I'm uncomfortable there. I don't know if I'm going to be loved there. Sometimes they'll have an abortion. And if they have an abortion, it's like, well, I know that that, that, that circle of people believe that this is so wrong. 
And so they don't feel like they can be included in that circle of love. I Listen, I, I know you might be thinking, yeah, but what about this? And yeah, but what about that? And yeah, but what about this? Can I just tell you, Jesus himself had such a broad circle of love that it was amazing to me how he was accused of being a friend of sinners. And the religious crowd attacked him. They actually killed him for it. In Matthew chapter 9, it says, And Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Matthew was a traitor. He had compromised with the Roman government. Now he's, you know, he's collecting taxes from the Jews for the Romans. And Jesus said, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners in the underlying original, it's like notorious sinners, well-known sinners, they came and ate with him and the disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I'm, I'm, ju I'm just saying to you that there is so much conflict in the world. There's so many different beliefs in the world. I understand our circles of love and inclusion are getting really, really stressed right now. And, but I, can I just say something as I'm pastoring you through this, everybody? That, that we, we can accept and love people for who they are and where they stand in their life. But acceptance and approval, they don't have to both match. Everybody, I'm glad there were some people that accepted me and didn't approve of the way that I was living and what I thought. And thank God they kept loving me until I had an encounter with God. This is a whole nother sermon, right, everybody, uh, of, of dealing with our relationship with the world where people believe different things and act different ways. I'm just saying that it's important if you're going to be a person that has a desire to make a difference in the world and you have a dream to reach people, you're going to have to have an ever-expanding circle of love that allows people to come into your life, sit at your dinner table and have a meal. Come on, everybody, go hang out with them a little bit and let them experience the overflow of God's love and God's joy. And maybe they can reach up to God also and have an encounter with him. I'm preaching so good right now and y'all just nodding at me. I'm just saying people have a basic need to belong. And we want people to know that they belong here no matter what is challenging their life. Amen? Okay. So, would you agree with me then? A Christian life is not a place for snooty, snotty, cold-hearted, condemning people. A couple men said amen. A couple of you chuckled. I'm going to say it again. There is no place in this church for snooty, snotty, cold-hearted, condemning people with real tight circles. We need to expand our circle of love. I'm going to give you one last one so y'all can go home and finish off the turkey and dressing. Come on, everybody. You, you, you need a desire, a dream, 
a joy, an expanding circle of love. And then the last thing I'll just say is that to be a person that is, is a legacy living person, you need an eye on the finish line. An eye on the finish line. You're like, oh, I'm just so young. I got so much to live. You know, I just am reminded when Peter, the disciple of Jesus, that was so, gosh, such a big thinker, big dreamer. He was so passionate about what Jesus had come to do. In his mind, he had this dream that, that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to overthrow the Roman occupation and they... And, and he was going to establish the kingdom of God. There'd be this amazing theocracy that Jesus would sit on the throne. And that he even thought, well, the 12 disciples, we're going to sit on the throne with him. And it was going to be a physical um, revolution. And he, and he was one of the radical ones that carried a dagger at any minute. He was ready to fight and die for the cause. And so you know the story. Jesus is arrested and Peter's dreams are shattered. Jesus is being beaten, persecuted, crucified. And Peter is off in the distance and he's watching this. And if you remember, he denied the Lord three times after Jesus predicted that you would. You, you're getting ready to experience something that you don't even know. And you, you're going to disown me. And Peter did. Remember, when the rooster crowed in the morning, he was reminded that he had denied the Lord three times. Jesus dying. His blood being shed on the cross. He did not have the understanding of what we understand now when we took communion. That it was all part of God's redemptive plan. That his, his blood doesn't physically wash away our sin. But because of his blood that paid the price for our sin penalty. We can, well we can receive by faith the substitution of his death. Because the wages of sin are death. And all have sinned and fallen short of, short of the glory of God. And so the only way that we, could, that we could receive the life that God has for us is if somebody else was able to pay the price. And God in the flesh chose to pay the price. It's the foundation of the Christian faith. And that through his suffering on the cross, God had a plan. But Peter not knowing this is disappointed, heartbroken. He's drowning in self-pity because he's got his eyes off the finish line. He didn't really understand what it looked like. And, and Jesus was asking things of him that he just didn't even know that the ask had happened. And at one point, Peter just is like, I'm so disappointed, so lost, so miserable, he told his other disciples, I'm going fishing. Now, fishing was his occupation prior to becoming a disciple. And so, having lost his vision, lost his dream, desire is gone to accomplish something great for eternity. His fallback was to go back to where it all started. I, I, I think... I think there are some people in this room that you had a dream of doing something great, something that would last. Maybe a dream of your future, your family, your business, your talents. But you know what? 
through the challenges of life, you know, things have just kind of changed. Now, I, I, I really want to challenge you to dream again. In fact, come on, everybody, st stand with me right now. I, I'm, I am going to say it again, that you were created for a purpose, an eternal purpose. And I just want you living up to that legacy that God has called you to aspire to. I mean, many of us are not thinking that way. We're just thinking about disappointment and church hurt and self-pity or we're really aggravated with ourselves because we've maybe squandered years or we've stumbled around or we've lost a dream or we dreamed once and it didn't come to pass. I... It's, it's just my desire so much that whatever is smothering greatness that's inside of you, it gets lifted off. If I could expand that to us as a congregation, just think what we can accomplish if we all responded in faith to the stretching work of the Holy Spirit with the desires and the compassion that we have to reach people. You know, to be honest with you, I'm, I have a privilege of standing up here and I'm seeing all of your faces and I'm thinking about, look at all of these people and what they are doing now. They're counselors, business owners. I mean, people that have ministries that are just exploding out of their life right now and they don't even get paid a salary for it. I just, you know, people that are reaching hurting children or, or ministering to young entrepreneurs or, you know, people that are feeding the homeless on the streets. And, you know, people that got big dreams. People, helping people recover from divorce. Compassion. There's people in here that have compassion for, for parents, young parents that are struggling. There's people in here that have mercy all over them, and they want to help with finances and train people on how to pay their bills and how to recover from bankruptcy and that kind of stuff. I could just go on and on because I see, I see your faces. I know there's people in here that they have lived a life for, on the mission field, and all, they, and all they care about is people on the mission field People outside of the country hearing about the good news of the gospel of Jesus. There's, this, this room is filled with those people. And you're like, well, I don't have any vision like that. I bet you do. It's just down inside of you. You know, I find, I find it so interesting when Jesus came to Peter after he had denied him, the resurrected Jesus showed up on the shore of the, 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 the fishing bank. And he's and he has breakfast for, with Peter. And he, he doesn't scold him. He doesn't fuss at him. He just, he just restores him. He's like, do you love me? Peter's like, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then make a difference for eternity. Feed my sheep. You know what, you know what he says? Bless my people. Because that's what matters. That's fruit that lasts. Yeah, but you know what? I failed you. And I, I let you down. And I just need to fish. And just forget about that dream. No, Three times Jesus said, 
if you love me, feed my people. If you love me, make a difference. Next week, there's going to be an opportunity for you, for you to contribute to what we can do together. And I'll give you lots of reports on how we're spending money and how we have spent the money and maybe where you can fit. But I'm just praying that as you, we close out this year, that your attention maybe would be off of your own needs and you would begin thinking about how I can bless others. And maybe even the offering that I'm asking you to contribute to is a way you can expand your circle just a little bit. You just, just expand it just a little bit. Would you pray about that? Me and Carrie are praying about it now. And we're going to bring an offering next week. Our children are praying about it. They're going to bring the offering next week. And this is a one incredible way of where we can initiate legacy living. Let me pray for you. God, there's gold inside of these people. These are the redeemed people of God that you created for a purpose, a purpose that existed inside of them before the ages even were established. And you chose them. You, you, you chose them that they would go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. You put eternity in our hearts. And we're just so thankful, Lord, that we get to be a part of what you're doing. So for those that are discouraged or those that feel like they've lost a vision for their life or for those that feel like they can't contribute or that they're too old or they don't have enough money or they don't have the time or they don't have the wisdom or they've been embarrassed before because of other people's opinions, Lord, I pray that the dream would come alive. I pray that desire would awaken inside of them. I pray that you would give them the joy for the grace of giving. We are expanding our circle together, and we got our eyes on eternity, Lord. We are focusing on the finish line. And that finish line, Lord, is to glorify Jesus in everything that we do before we die and come to be with you. So, Lord, I pray that the remainder of this, this day and this week, that the Spirit of God would renew something inside of us and help us, Lord, to accomplish something great for your glory. On Thanksgiving weekend, it just seems like it would be so appropriate just to give him an ovation of thanks giving right now. Come on, everybody. God's been good to you. Oh, yes. Hey, everybody, if God's really been good to you, can lift a shout of praise up to his name. Worthy Jesus. Hey, come on, everybody. Lift a shout up to the Lord. He's To do this everybody you get to do this come on Emily can you just lead us in a little bit of worship come on let's praise the Lord together and then and then we'll dismiss today's uh, today's service come on let's celebrate together